Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hello, darling. Hello, hello. Guess what I realized today? (laughs) What did you realize? I realized that this is our very first episode recording this podcast without having Donald Trump as president. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's wild! Isn't that crazy? Because we started this podcast... When he was already president. Yeah. And, you know, it's been three years. Oh, so my gosh. That is kind of a big deal. Just that saying. is so wild. I mean, the the man that started it all, really. Gross. <laughs> so gross. I hate to say it. Uh, the man that I, sh- I don't even want to say inspired. I mean, but kind of. Well, we'd been talking about it before. I guess if yeah. you want to hear more about that, you can listen to our Ask Me Anything because we got that question quite a bit yes, um, about how we started the podcast. But we had talked about it beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that his election was the catalyst. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes, indeed. Definitely. Um, well, with him out of office, there is quite a bit to talk about. Should we jump yeah. in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... I what well first of all what do you want to start with like do you are we going to talk about like all of the inauguration stuff are we going to talk about the stuff that he did on the first day like where where do you want to go with this Kagan I will start then because I'm going to start pre-inauguration you get us started all righty so before the inauguration happened there were 12 U.S. National Guard members who were actually removed from securing President then president elect Joseph Biden's inauguration uh-huh. after vetting by the FBI. So I guess this happens every time or like anytime there's a major event, the FBI will vet the people who are going to be protecting these people. I mean, yeah, that makes course. sense. However, they were extra, extra vigilant, of course, after what happened at the Capitol on 1-6. And what they actually found was 12 members who had ties to right-wing militia groups um, or posted extremist views online. And it's just kind of, it's not surprising. Yeah. But it's but still is shocking at to the same think time. about when you're saying it out loud. You know, it's what it's, I mean, we've been going through this for the past four years. It's like everything that comes out of our mouths sounds like it couldn't possibly be true, but yet it doesn't really shock us because of everything that's happened before. Like, of course, that makes sense that, you know, we're going to have to look into these people more now than any other inauguration. That totally makes sense. And it also makes sense to me that there would be a lot of people in the National Guard or in, you know, the military in general or working in the White House that have those views. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have those views and that are part of those groups. So the fact that they exist in that space really isn't that shocking. But the fact that they were um, they were hired to be in charge of Joe Biden, the thought if these FBI investigators hadn't done their job and really vetted these people out, 
what could have possibly happened? Like that, the thought of that for me is really, really scary. Right. I mean, I do want to say that none of the views that were posted online were direct threats against Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Uh, however, I mean, these people have ties to right wing militia groups. And I shouldn't say that it's surprising. Your word was more appropriate. It is shocking, but it's not surprising. I mean, yeah. um, there are a number of active duty military members who have now been arrested because they were at the Capitol uh, on the six during that attack, a number of active duty police who were there. It's not that surprising that um, there are large numbers. Again, I would encourage everybody to listen to Robert Evans, who does Behind the Bastards. He did a whole series called Behind the Police, kind yeah, of like it was great. tracking, yeah, tracking and the I history. Mean, and that's something that we've been seeing, you know, very in our faces throughout the year, particularly in the summer. Uh, and then also with the difference between the protests during the summer and the straight up mob attack on the Capitol, seeing the difference between law enforcement's reactions, I think reinforces the fact that there is a very different um, mindset for a lot of the people that work in law enforcement and in military. I don't think it's, I'm not trying to say like, oh, there's tons of them, but I do think that just as far as the people that I know, I feel like people tend to be attracted to those types of jobs when they're really into that kind of stuff. I don't know. Um, no, no, you're right, for sure. I mean, coming from a military family, I can say by by no means do I think that um, every member of the military is this, like, super pro-Trump, you know, person. No. But I will say that there is, there tends to be a more conservative mindset within yeah. the military. The military, in my personal anecdotal experience, does tend to skew um, conservative Republican in right. general, yeah, and so that to me isn't isn't super um, surprising. And then, as we know, of course, uh, there's a lot of police that also skew that way, exactly. and especially given everything that happened over the summer, where the right really glommed onto Blue um, Lives Matter, right? The left doesn't that. care about police lives, and, exactly, and, and things exactly. like that. But what's ironic is that these members who stormed the Capitol. I don't even like saying that because that, that feels like it gives it power. These Storming? insurrectionists yeah. In, oh, who attacked our, our nation's Capitol. Yeah. Uh, these people, they not only killed police officers, they also beat them. Yeah. Uh, with an so, Amer- there was a police officer beaten with an American flag. Like, yeah. Hello, America. <laughs> like, there what are you? De- that's so someone- against everything. Yeah, someone was arrested today who had beaten a police officer or, or a capital officer with a hockey stick. Um, you know, it was it's just it feels like blue lives only matter on the right when it's the left talking about it because clearly it didn't matter to you this day. No. Uh and, and the range of kind of reactions from that group of people is very interesting too because you also have videos that people took within the Capitol where they, again, we talked about this, seem surprised by the police kind of giving them any resistance. Oh, yes, and, very much so. And there were also active duty police who were basically trying to like wink, wink, nod, nod to the Capitol. Yeah. Police saying like, hey, I'm one of you. We're brothers. Mm-hmm. We're here together. We're in it together. Like, let's do this thing. And being surprised when some of, not all of, but yeah. some of, when they weren't busy taking selfies with the insurrectionists, uh, the other or holding ones, their hands on their w- 
on their way down the steps. You right. Know? The other ones who were actually trying to do their job yeah. were like, no, I'm not going to like just we are not the same, my guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are not the same. And that's the thing is that I feel like there's the potential for so much integrity in all of those jobs that it's so disappointing that there are those people that somehow get into those positions of power within law enforcement and the military that really have, you know, very skewed, I mean, at this point in time, a very skewed sense of reality. You know what I mean? That's a really, really scary thing. So I'm I'm really glad that the FBI vetted these people out well enough to, you know, not saying that, that they would be any sort of threat necessarily. I don't know much about these people. Um, but the fact that there could have potentially been a threat to our future president and they were able to step in and save that from happening, I think is really wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So speaking of Capitol Police officers, I want to give a shout out to the amazing, amazing officer by the name of Eugene Goodman, uh, who was the Capitol Police officer who was captured on video diverting a mob away from the Senate chambers on the day of the domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol building. If you have not seen this video, go find it because it is amazing. He is using, like, he's so smart. He's getting as high as he can into the building. He's kind of leading the mob toward him in a way to kind of follow him to keep them away from anywhere else and he does it like he's totally successful and he is one black man in a mob of angry white people it is the most terrifying thing to watch but yeah he's he has this bravery right um, he leads them away from um house members who are yeah. in the opposite direction and actually he leads them towards a group of capital officers yeah it's very smart uh on his part oh my god but like the first i don't know 10 12 seconds of the video he's calling for Mm -hmm. backup he's calling for Mm -hmm. backup he's swatting them away he doesn't i don't even think he has a a weapon at the time like a gun he's not holding one i really don't see how anybody who over the summer was you know blue lives matter blue lives matter can watch that video and defend the actions of those people their people who are doing that because we now have some context that there was a plan you know he was trying to lead them into that room but the first time i saw that video without that context of there being a plan and Uh even knowing that like it is scary like it's it's very scary even if there is these people want to hurt him exactly i don't know how many people were in that mob but it isn't it's an insane amount of very, very, very angry people who do get a little bit physical with him at one point, too. And he kind of has to shove them away. And that's when he's kind of leading them away from um, where, you know, the different members of the house were and things like that. It's just it's an amazing video. He's he seems like such an amazing person and he's getting rewarded for it, which is really amazing. So. He was elevated to serve as the number two security official in the Senate for the inaugural events that occurred on Wednesday, and he was part of the official escort accompanying Kamala Harris to the platform outside the Capitol where she was sworn in as vice president. And I love it. He looked amazing. I was going to say, I love seeing people's (laughs) tweets that were basically like, best dressed for women, Michelle Obama, best dressed for men, Eugene Goodman, <laughs> you know, like, totally. he made, like the inauguration's best dress list. He really <laughs> did. Um, and then I, I've also seen mentions of Kamala Harris's nephew's sneakers. Apparently he's got some really nice. 
He kicks. does, which was actually a bit of controversy because I guess those shoes are like thousands of dollars. Uh, and people were like, you know, I, I understand. It's an eat yeah. the rich mentality, like which I actually are do like understand. But sneakerheads and stuff too. Like, and if you have a lot of money, like that's what you're going to spend your money on. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I get it. But I'm like, first of all, no teenager <clears throat> needs sneakers that are thousands of dollars. Nobody. And secondly, like you can tell where we are as a country that so many more people are like praising yeah. the Bernie aesthetic where you're mm-hmm. like, wear some handmade mittens and the same coat you've owned for 10 years. Yes. Let's do that instead of <laughs> buying these like super expensive things. I could But agree I mean, at the same time, it's hard to know if they actually own these things because I know a lot of the things that, for instance, Michelle Obama wears are like rented to her. They're not like, yeah, I mean, a lot of, her, so. a lot of celebrities do that. You know, if they work right. with stylists and things like that, like they will mm-hmm. bring them clothes for them to use and then they will take them away when they're done and things like that. So, yes, yeah, so we don't know. But uh, when you put it in terms of like comparing Bernie to Kamala's nephew, yeah, there is a bit of a bit of a shift there in, um, but what about Doug Emhoff's daughter? Oh my gosh, that jacket! I I I saw her walking down the stairs, and I immediately was like, "Who is she?" I love her. I love everything. Her jacket. I loved the eyebrows when they announced or when Pence was in front of her, like that video. It was a good day for coats it yesterday. Was, oh, I will say that, or on and, Wednesday, and monochromatic outfits as well. It was a great day. I gotta say though, the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way is that only the only people that thought to do this from my recollection were the Biden women and that is to match your mask with your ensemble yes it's vital this is not much to ask and this is I think I'm actually gonna <laughs> newsflash I think I'm actually gonna start a business I was talking to my mom about this to like bedazzle masks for skaters for skating competitions to match their oh, costumes because nice. I was watching nationals and like everybody just had regular masks on or ones that didn't match and I'm like no like if I was still skating my dressmaker would have totally made me a mask that was like embroidered and bedazzled that would like go with the whole thing you know what I mean and whatever so that well, was girl you better hop to it we got less than a year left hopefully of this I shit, so <laughs> I know this business isn't gonna last very long right but make whatever. that money secure I, the bag while you can I'm okay with it you know what I mean if that can take if it can take me out of business to be able to see my loved ones again, like I would be fine with that. Um, But I did want to mention that a bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced a legislation that would award Officer Goodman the Congressional Gold Medal for his bravery during the attack. Which is really amazing. And he also did get promoted as well. So yeah, he got he got promoted. He got to do the the escorting of Miss Kamala, Vice President Kamala Harris. I, yeah, I sent you that article because I love Doug Emhoff. I love both of his children. I was reading an article about how Kamala and Doug's ex-wife, Kirsten, are like friends. Like they're actually really good friends. And she was at the inauguration. And honestly, it's just I would love so for cool. us to get to a place as a society where like that's not surprising. Like, I feel like that's how adults should behave. It's like, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how like you I feel like in relationships and marriages like they I guess they were married for 25 years. It just depends on like how much pain was involved in the relationship as to whether or not like, yes, you should be happy for the person. But like how involved you are in their lives, I think definitely depends on like. But you got kids. 
like, for real, honestly, for real, you know, but, like and, you have to co-parent and like yep. the step parent and you are going to have to see each other. Well, what's so, crazy. It's like, it's not even just like they tolerate each other. It's like, they are actually like really good friends. I guess when Doug told his ex-wife that he was, was dating Kamala, she was like, wow, don't screw this up. Like, we love to see it. Isn't we that love amazing? To see a healthy relationship. Hashtag sister solidarity. I love it. I'm here for it. And did you know that her stepkids call her Mamala? Oh, that's cute. Yeah, they don't like it's not Kamala or stepmom or anything like that. They call her Mamala, which I love. Um, so I have a lot of notes on things that happened within the first day. And I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get through all of it. So I'm going to kind of pick and choose a few of the executive orders and other things that Biden was really focusing on during his first day. One of the main things is the mask mandate or the 100-day mask challenge, which essentially uh, is enforcing all federal uh, workers and contractors to wear masks and practice social distancing on all federal property, which is really, really great. Right. So he couldn't do, because of the way that our system is set up and so much is left to individual states to mm-hmm. make their own decisions about things, he couldn't really enforce a nationwide, or at least not quickly, he couldn't enforce uh, a nationwide, quote, mask mandate. Correct. So that's why he's calling it kind of like the 100-day mask challenge, because while he's the president and he can have Americans be masked in federal buildings, on federal lands, in airplanes and buses, uh, especially if going across state lines he can't do a nationwide mandate for every city in america at this moment so what he's doing is this initiative to um encourage people for the first 100 days to wear masks he's calling it the 100 day mask challenge i think it's great and i mean i Mm -hmm. think adding the word challenge in there is so like with the times, you know what I mean? Right. There's so all the so TikTok, TikTok challenges. And the, yeah. yeah, totally right. Um, another important thing is that he rejoined, he had us rejoin the World Health Organization, uh, which Trump was in the process of leaving. And Biden really hopes to reestablish the U.S. as an active leader in the World Health Organization as well. As far as financial relief for Americans, he's extended eviction and foreclosure moratoriums. Through March. His team also continues to assert that Biden will stay true to his promise during his campaign to get rid of $10,000 of student loan debt. But this will take time because it has to get through Congress. So they're saying they're like, don't worry, he didn't forget, but it is going to take time. Another really exciting thing we're on to environment here is that we have rejoined the Paris Climate Exchange. Mm -hmm. And this is really, really important, uh, according to the NRDC.org, for those of you who don't know much about the Paris Climate Exchange. Uh, or agreement, the PCA was created as a way for developed nations to assist developing nations in their climate mitigations and to create transparency for monitoring and reporting the country's climate goals. So it's a really great way for the entire, you know, nation to kind of be working together and helping each other out. Did you see Ted Cruz's tweet about... Mm -hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god! About Girl, I'm on I'm on right wing Twitter, so much it's unhealthy. Keegan, yes, I did. I'd, I've I did never been it. on it. I choose. I can't. I won't do it. He's so dumb. Um, I don't understand. Uh, he went to Ivy League schools, which leads me to believe that this is calculated idiocy. I don't know. Uh, did in you order watch- to look a certain way for his base because what yeah. he said is stupid. I mean, have you seen did you watch Tasha's season of The Bachelor? 
No, not I know. Really. I didn't watch much of it, but I did see an episode where they were doing like a like a school quiz, basically, like an intelligence quiz. And there was this one guy who like went to Harvard and he was like he got every question wrong, like very basic math and like reading and writing things. And like that was kind of the joke was like, what the fuck? Like you brag about going to Harvard and like being you know, so smart and whatever, but he was the worst out of all the other guys. But so I don't know, maybe he's one of those where he like just through nepotism got into an Ivy League school, which obviously we know is the norm that happens. And he's really just yeah, a fucking I can't remember. Idiot. I listened uh, again behind the bastards yep. has an episode on Ted Cruz and I did listen to it and I can't remember. I want to say that his parents were not legacy, but I don't know. But that just goes to show you that being able to get into an Ivy League school does not mean that you are necessarily the most intelligent person for on real. the planet. For real, uh, because yeah. Because his, his tweet was basically saying that because Biden had chosen to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, that he was putting the lives of people in Paris over the lives of people in Pittsburgh it's who would just, be affected. It's just um, too good. It's too... Does he realize, like, (laughs) the Paris Climate Accord, like, okay, sorry, I'm having trouble forming English words, because I'm just like, it's because he's stupid, he dumb, (laughs) like, he's so dumb, like, we can't form words. Like, he realizes that the the Paris Climate Accord is not about the people of Paris. That's just where it was signed, bro, like, that's it, homie. Wow. Um, it, it's yeah. very dumb. It is. Okay, so I'm going to move on because this is something that I don't know if everybody knows about because it was something that Trump tried to impose uh, very shortly before he left office. That is the 1776 Commission. So do you know anything about the 1776 Commission, Keegan? Very vaguely. Please oh, do enlighten me. Want to want to get mad? Okay. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a low level constant state of fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. So yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, right? Okay, so Trump created this, like, 18-person committee to work on the 1776 commission with the objective to be uh, supporting Donald Trump's view of patriotic education. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yes. So (laughs) the report was released two days before Biden was inaugurated, and it was released that, which is the same day as Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is like, (laughs) Perfect. Great. And this is the most racist shit. Very cool and good. I'm feeling great about it. We're building up to it. We're building up to it. Okay, so a White House statement calls the report a dispositive rebuttal of reckless re-education attempts that seek to reframe American history around the idea that the United States is not an exceptional country, but an evil one. So his idea is that um, progressivism have created racism and identity politics uh, as challenges to the American principles and likens them to communism, slavery, and racism. It criticizes aspects of the civil rights movement and of course they had to come for the feminist movement as well so this is what the report states about the civil rights movement and the feminist movement as followed okay do you want to say something really quick I was just thinking that I'm sure that this is a rebuttal to the New York Times 1619 project, was which was starting to be taught in schools, um, which is fascinating. Everybody should definitely go read or listen to the 1619 project, uh, which was basically this project that reframed 
it, it was teaching about the history of slavery and colonialism in the United States. And uh-huh. it quote aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and contribute contributions of black Americans at the very center of the United States history. And I remember Donald Trump like being furious about this yeah. and being like, who, who he said something really dumb where he was like, who chose the years 1619? And it's like, well, that's because it's, when it started. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if him saying it's the 1776 project. Because it's is when kind our of, nation is patriotic. It's totally. Right. That, I oh. wonder if it's like a direct rebuttal to that because it's so well done, the 1619 project. That sounds that they exactly were They were starting right. to teach it in schools. So I wonder if this is a That sounds exactly that. right. So this is what they say about the civil rights movement and the feminist movement. <clears throat> I quote. A radical women's liberation movement reimagined America as a patriarchal system, asserting that every woman is a victim of oppression by men. The black power and black nationalist movements reimagined America as a white supremacist regime. Meanwhile, other activists constructed artificial groupings to further divide Americans by race, creating new categories like Asian American and Hispanic to teach Americans to think of themselves in terms of group identities Okey and dokey. to arouse they, various groups into po- into politically cohesive bodies. Do they think that people of color made those distinctions? They think that like people of color were the ones who were just like, you know what? He's saying let's start act- calling ourselves Asian Americans. He's saying activists. So I don't okay. know if he's saying that it's the people of that culture or if it's the people. Um, it is so stupid that are progressive and activism that are that are labeling people. I think it kind of sounds similar getting into, you know, gender identity, different things like that, that we are the people that create these words and these labels. Therefore, we are pigeonholing people into okay. being victims I, and things like I'm that. I'm actually like I, I, I can't even respond to it. Like my chest is hot yeah, because yeah. it's just it's so stupid. It is. And I'm frustrated because I know that people really believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so dumb. It is. So the report also states that educators must convey a sense of enlightened patriotism that equips okay. each generation with a knowledge of America's founding principles, a deep Nationalism. reverence for their liberties and a profound love of their okay. country. And then so I wrote, you're talking sounds about, like some Hitler shit to me. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like the Hitler youth. It yes. sounds like Nazi youth. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it, it's pure nationalism and authoritarianism. Like, why? Yeah, why, we're... Why? We're the communists. We're the... We're, I mean... Not communism. Not but com- like, yeah, you like know what I mean. <laughs> authoritarian. Like, yes, it's it's very, you. like... Um, I, I don't have actual words... But like that's how they see communism and socialism. Like they see it as being this like, you know, all powerful dictatorship almost. You know what I mean? But in in reality, it almost seems like that's what they're doing. I mean, it is. Well, I mean, it should tell you everything that you need to know that they have a problem with Antifa, which literally means anti-fascist. And if you were to talk to these people, they would tell you that, like, the fact that we went in and we fought the Nazis was, like, such a huge moment for the American people. And, like, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, I have so much love and respect for my great-grandfather who, you know, went to Germany and liberated <laughs> the people of Germany and fought the Nazis. And it's, like, they were fascists. The Nazis were fascists. Yep. So the fact that you have an issue with the word or the phrase anti-fascist, anti-fascism, that you consider yourself anti-Antifa yep. is a fucking problem. If it's a double if negative. 
if you're anti Antifa, does that not make you a fascist? You're anti anti fascist, which means you are right. pro fascism. Fascism. Bam. Like wild. I mean, it, it, it's truly glass wild shattering me. in the um, minds all over the country. Yeah, it, it's, it's upsetting to me because it. I, I'm trying to be really upbeat about the fact that like we are we've entered in a new era and I watched the inauguration and of course I got all the feels and it was it was lovely uh-huh. um but this is not going away there's a, a yeah. huge portion of the population who still thinks like this still believes this um is still going to flap their mouths all over the yes. internet I mean but this is this is all I have to say about that because I was listening to a lot of things on the radio news station that was making me feel very very anxious and very worried about all of these things but there, I feel like there is such a focus in our government now, starting for us yesterday on Wednesday, uh, where there is such a focus on this topic in particular that I am hoping that right now we will see some some improvement in um, people starting to open their eyes a bit to at least something more moderate, at least something more regularly conservative to see that, you know, Trump didn't come in at noon and arrest Biden and Harris like he isn't the savior. He isn't the person that's going to save everybody. Maybe this is going to be a thing that opens up enough eyes. So as long as we have enough people that are waking up and that are seeing the more people like it's only going to help. Like, And this is the thing is that this has happened in other cultures before and in other countries before. And we just have to hope that with this new government where they're no longer uh, seeing a president who is uh, validating everything that they think and believe, maybe slowly through time, we will start to see these opinions change. And hopefully that will be before any more violence occurs. That's just the thing that I hope. I mean, we can hope. I think so much is going to depend on how hard we come down on the insurrectionists. Uh-huh. Um that went into the Capitol on one six. I think it's very important that you put that whole thing down uh, as hard as you can. I mean, Biden, um, Biden sounds pretty pissed. I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard because yes, everything that we're talking about that he did on his first day. And we, again, we have all the feels and we are so happy. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, it's a waiting game and hoping that he's going to follow through with all these things that he's saying are so important to him. And one of the, and this in particular, I think is a, something that should be a very, very, top priority for him along with the pandemic of course we're we're having to deprogram our citizens yeah. on a massive scale that we've never seen before and i don't know if we're equipped to do that and i mean especially we would, like i want to like it, google how they did it with like just the citizens in nazi germany you know what i mean i'm curious well, how that changed the citizens in nazi germany a lot of them feigned ignorance about what was happening and what happened when when people went there, when the United States went there for a lot of these towns that were on the outskirts of these concentration camps, yeah, they they made the citizens walk through the concentration camps and showed them the pile piles of bodies and things like that. Um, but the problem is when you're dealing with a cult and with conspiracy theorists, yeah. and I know this because it's happening in my life. Like there is no 
there is no convincing them of anything really because no, it's and just like there's always the next conspiracy uh-huh. um, and and anything you present is just a reinforcement of the fact that that conspiracy is so deeply entrenched in uh, yeah, our culture. Yeah, and that's and that's what's tough. And I mean, I I have a, a big fascination in cults and deprogramming and things like that. And just from what I've learned, all you can do for your loved ones that are going through this is to just be there for them when they do finally see, you know, it's like, I think that as long as you are, you know, correcting them when they're saying things that are wrong, you know, but still being there for them and letting them know that you're going to be there when they do finally see because I think we just have to have hope, especially for those in our lives that we love, that that's going to happen. I'll just say this, like, I I understand the urge to want to laugh at these people because there were a lot of things that were being shared on Inauguration Day um, about like, look how stupid they look, like all these Q followers are now coming to the conclusion that they've been had and and all of that stuff. And and it is like uh, the nature of the Internet, like it is there is something cathartic about watching these people have to grapple with this very what seems very obvious and stupid to us. Right. But to um, them was very, very real. And. And is very real for a lot of them still. And like it's easy. So much of the Trump administration and so much of this that's happening right now, it's very easy to laugh at it because it's so stupid. (laughs) And like to us, it's so obvious. Um, But it is very dangerous. And we will. I'm sorry to end this on kind of like a down note, but like we will be very lucky if we get out of this without any more acts of domestic terrorism or I mean that's like that's the thing that I was listening to and I was out driving today with the news you know just the likelihood of another of another violent insurrection you know what's going on with the Fox News and the media and the people that are consuming these things and um, what changes are being made what changes aren't being made things like that so um, we're in a huge adjustment period right now and I think that both the Biden supporters and the Trump supporters are in a really big adjustment period right now. And I think part of the adjustment period for the Biden supporters is to laugh and to make fun. And to, and I'm not saying it's great. It's not taking the high road or anything like that. But when I feel like when people have felt so shitty, it's almost like there is something cathartic about seeing I don't want to say pain in others because that no, makes me sound course. cruel. But I mean, like, no, but of course, like it's it's it is you know. Amber Amber Ruffin had a whole thing that I was going to post to our Instagram where she's just like all of these like white nationalists who are now crying about this. Like there is this like it, you feel like a bad person, it's but there is this like and it's your satisfaction. Natural, it's your natural instinct to like of feel course. a certain way, and people are letting that out. At the same time, the Trump supporters are going through an adjustment period as well because they are going through, uh, you know, experiencing maybe that what they believed was a lie or the person they believed in wasn't really who they thought that he was. And they're getting used to having a new president when they really did not think this was going to occur. So imagine in in those people's minds where they were so convinced of all of these things and having it not happen. I think both sides of the aisle need some time to adjust get used to what's going on and I don't mean that as far as like the politicians need to give it time I just mean like I think the next few days are going to be crazy on both sides I mean like as far as like emotions running high sure yeah I just I guess the point that I want to make is just like don't let the fact that this seems silly to you blind you to the fact that 
when people have had something that they've held close as a belief system ripped away from them, they can respond very dangerously. Uh, and we should not underestimate that potential for danger or violence because um, they believe it. Whether or not it's stupid to us, it's the truth for them. Uh-huh. And when you have something, I mean, you see it in interviews of those people who were there on one six. It's like they, they said out loud, like I'm willing to die for this. I know I will die for this and they're not they're willing to take other people out too so just like uh, anyway I want to end it on a higher note I want to say like we like I watched the inauguration yesterday it was wonderful there is a huge weight lifted and a lot of relief it was and it was beautiful like that's the thing there were so many beautiful musical moments and poetry moments and fashion and fist bumps and elbow bumps and you know the video of clinton bush and obama speaking um i think it's on like the now this politics page on instagram is great if i didn't post on instagram i will um but there were so many great moments that i think felt it felt good to kind of have some pride in being an American again for a little bit. Right, and and feeling like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. It, 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 we're going to have to stay on top of Biden-Harris, of course, but like I can breathe a little bit easier not feeling like we have this completely unpredictable maniac in office who could do whatever at any time. Exactly. You know, like he doesn't That's like rage tweeting at 3 a.m. Right, and this man had the nuclear codes, you know, like he doesn't have them anymore. Like those, there's a little bit of relief there. Um, so I definitely despite everything that I said earlier, which I, you know, I stand by that, but like, I also want everyone to be able to enjoy this moment where you can kind of just like, let your shoulders relax for just a second. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a full advocate a hundred percent of, of doing that. Yes, exactly. And I think as, I think it can probably speak for most of our listeners when I say this, because they're listeners of this show. I think for those of us that feel so passionately about you know, different social justice issues and activism, it's very easy for us to feel like we're not supposed to relax or we're not supposed to, you know, take a breath. But I think now that um, we are not in an active, I mean, I would still say we're in a state of emergency, but the state of emergency has slightly declined now that the crazy man is no longer in the White House to give yourself moments of peace, (laughs) to remind yourself that he's gone. I think is a very good practice to do right now to at least give yourself some semblance of peace, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My gosh, so crazy to think about that, you know, how you mentioned the episode at the beginning of the episode that, you know, we've never recorded an episode where Trump hasn't been our president. I know. And we've done it it's now. It's amazing. We did it. I know. It, and, it, and it does feel good. I'll tell you that. Mm. It feels good. Mm, feels real good. Okay, we're gonna go record the Ask Me Anything. I'm so Thank excited. you to everybody who submitted questions. We have quite a few questions. Yeah. Some questions that we have not answered before. Uh, so I am very excited to get to that. And so I hope you guys really enjoy the episode that comes out on Monday. I think it's gonna be a fun one for us to record. Totally. And I want to mention before I forget, I had told... Um, a listener, Cam, on Instagram that we would read her first period story. We went a little long, so we're not going to do it this week. We will do it next week. I promise you. We also have a sister solidarity story in our inbox as well, I I believe. So we will definitely get to those we haven't forgotten about you. We will prioritize. Um, It's just so much has happened in the last week. So much. It's just hard to keep up. 
Alrighty, so I don't have to ask everybody to send in their questions anymore. So I guess I can go right into if there's anything that you want to send us at all. Uh, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Direct message and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Get us on the Facebook group page or business page. You can rate and review us on the business page. We really appreciate it. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out so, so very much. And you will be featured on our Instagram for Reviews Day Tuesday. And if you don't already, go on ahead and listen to us on that Radio Public app. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out a little bit. Oh, I forgot Twitter. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. F. Podcast. All right. That's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to to rage rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.